Um, but okay, so the fires. Yeah, there's also that fire with the John Hens Holmes went and tried to save the organ. I'm Reverend Peggy Clark, Senior Minister at Community Church of New York. I'm Jill Novensky, the Director of Religious Education. And we're coming to you from Community Church here in the heart of Manhattan in New York City. Coming from a long line of disruption. Four fires, three name changes. Two pandemics. <laughs> four times. We sold five of our buildings. Yeah, that part. We had a vote to oust the minister. We're in a rented church space. We got sued by four members. <laughs> Oh my God. We're inviting you to join us for a Sunday to Sunday rundown of how we do things here, hoping that you find out what that might look like for you. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we are showing up. <laughs> <laughs> So if we're going to do this little like primer on community church and where the urgency comes from and why you and I are feeling like, I mean, we came up with this term disrupt church really for a workshop, but why the whole model of everything has to be different. Like where, where's the energy for that? And that comes from this sort of unusual, these last five years and, and, all the things we've been facing in this time. And everything is different in these last five years. Yeah, well, completely. I mean, I remember you taking me out to lunch and asking me about who I was, and I had only been on as a teacher for years. You so know, that was like hours. September 2019, right? Or That's October right. No, it was 20, September. Yeah, 2019. So I had just started. I was here a few weeks. You had just started. Yeah, I had just met you. And it was so interesting because where you were at and where I was at, it did feel like stars were about to align. I thought to myself, well, now is the time when all that this church has been about all these years, this is going to be the next chapter. It's going to be exciting. I did think that. That was before, I mean, that was before I started as DRE. It's also before four months later, six months later, there'd be a, a lockdown. We'd be at the epicenter of a pandemic. Um, so it starts in 2019. I, I come on. So I was the first woman called to this pulpit as senior minister in 200 years of history, there were only three ministers and three senior ministers in the whole 20th century. So my being called, just my being called was, was radical like already. this radical. Yeah. yeah. That was like, and I, and I know that, I mean, I remember showing up and saying, if I do absolutely nothing, everything has changed. Yeah. There and it is. There was that feeling. And then, and then you and I go out to lunch, you come on as DRE. I mean, I think I hired you right I took you out, went to the board, said, I want a new DRE. I want to take, move our DRE into, she clearly wanted to be working with older people, and she was lifespan, and that was too much. So we just move her into the adult ministry. And they were so like, okay, so hire her. I'm like, yeah, but I need a whole lot of money. So I'm thinking it's a year process, right? That's how it would always be. Put it into the budget, get it voted on, right? You would start in a year. And they were like, no, it's fine. <laughs> I just hire her now. And I texted you right there. Well, I think like in a way the church maybe being ripe for change, the kind of shift that it was to have this new senior minister after having one minister, senior minister for almost 40 years, after having two years, obviously, of an interim minister. So like being ready for the shift to a whole new minister, being the first woman in the 200-year history of the church, I mean, it is interesting that it kind of 
became a moment where the board and the congregants were ready for all kinds of shifts. Yeah, they, they, I mean, this church was ready for change. There was so much conflict, yeah. right? It was really, really, really ugly for a long time, trying to oust the minister with a vote, which is unheard of, right? I mean, that whole experience and then, and then more years of dealing with that. And then an interim, then he finally retires and the interim shows up. It was not the smooth sailing that the congregation had hoped for. So yes, when I showed up, I was kind of lucky. They were like, "Woohoo! <laughs> right, we are ready. Like, let's go." It was a so, ripe fruit. Yeah, it really was. So when I was like, "Hey, I need a lot of money right off the bat," they were like, "Where do we sign the check? Like, let's just go." So that was lucky. But then, right, we, then we shut down, and it wasn't just you. I mean, we did right, did a lot of staff changes, sort of moved things around so that we were set up for a healthier, more effective system, which was great, and everyone felt good about it. And then we were in lockdown, I guess. Right. Like, like, Literally, like barely, five, six months later. Barely caught my breath. Right. I had not gotten my footing as right. a DRE no at one all. Had. No, we had hired uh, Errol de los Santos as our new administrative assistant. I think he started like four weeks before we locked down. I mean, after following someone who'd been here for for 30-something years, I mean, that's really hard to do, and now it's a whole new position, and no one, no one, I mean, across the country, right, no one knows what lockdown is going to be or how long it's going to go. We, we had a lot of things that were stagnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things were stagnant, for sure. They'd been waiting almost since that vote to oust the minister in yeah. 2013. Things had been stagnant. It was a complete holding pattern. Years. It was like yeah. all anybody. And with me, with the kids, I mean, we had dwindled down to like zero to two kids maybe on a... Right, there were no kids here. You know, because parents, I mean, that was a lot for parents to go through, yep. you know, all of that, and, and still feel like they wanted to be here. Yeah, there was one kid, but I remember asking you, how many kids do you have? And you said one. Yeah, yeah. so we so then there's lockdown. And in the process, I also learned that we're, we have so much money in the bank, and yet we'll go broke because of the state of the buildings, because of the deferred repair. Yeah, welcome to Manhattan real estate for real. Right. Yeah. Right, it was so things were collapsing. Those buildings. Right. Right. So like it feels like we're such a wealthy church, but if we go the way they were going, we're going to we'll be broken like 50 I think it was 15 years was the outlook. Right. Like how do we go through this much money in 15 years except that those buildings were costing us so much money. Right. So during lockdown, the decision to buy another building just for office space, and then sell five of our buildings, which was huge upheaval. And we're not even in our buildings. So the loss just felt tremendous. Yeah. And then we open up again, finally. Actually, if I remember correctly, we opened and then shut down again because then there was another wave. Right, so we opened because everyone was getting vaccinated. And we were like, oh, we're back in our building. We hadn't sold yet, so we're like, we're home. This is great. And then we had to shut down again because, and that's when we sold. So when we reopened, when we could come back from lockdown, that was our first and last meet, uh, gathering right. in our own sanctuary. Right. Like when I started the position, like a chunk of my work was actually packing up stuff that I right. had never even seen. Right. You know that's right. I mean? So it was a really, really unique set of circumstances. And I mean, we are a resource. Uh, um, heavy church so we're blessed with that and there's a lot of responsibility there mm -hmm. and especially when your congregation is kind of dwindled you want to be super responsible about how you make decisions to, to, to grow and change you know I, it, necessity is the mother of invention I mean I think that how many times we've had to just 
take the step off the cliff and make that decision and lean into our faith and it it has i feel like it's taken us every single time it's driven us back to mission every single time we've had to go back you have to because you, you want to be responsible about how things are going well we keep asking the question like how does this serve our mission that's because right. we're making all these huge choices yeah. right and does it what is it really serving even questions about we sell the building for how much and to whom, for what purpose, what are we doing with all that money? Right. Yeah, right, all of those. Right. And, and then renting new space. Right now we're in a new sanctuary, and how does that reflect our theology? How does that serve our people? Right, and it doesn't, actually. Like, there's so many, there's members that aren't even comfortable in that physical space, so it's a, it's a, it's a challenge right. even for our congregants sometimes to meet in that space with these Tiffany windows and right. these, you know, Endless ceilings and the whole thing. And, you know, it's a yeah. wealthy, very wealthy Christian, aristocratic. But it did bring us to a place or it has fostered the culture that was probably already here that was sort of willing to change, willing to be on the edge of things. It, it amped that up, all of those things. Right? Yeah. Changing the minister, the pandemic, the selling of the buildings, decrease of congregants in the room, with also an increase of kids and right. families, right? Like, so there's this funny shifting that's been happening that I think has brought us to a place where we can really do the kind of big picture thinking, what are the transformations? What, not even afraid of like what's radical, just what's necessary. What do we really need to do if we can? Because we can, right? We have, there's all this flexibility and there is money and there is a huge staff. So we have lots of options. And given that we've been set up that way in a culture, right, a church culture that really allows for movement, then we get to ask, so what's next? What are we doing? Yeah, and I imagine that small churches everywhere too are asking that, even without the resources. I mean, that question is still the same. So hoping that this podcast will be inspirational for folks figuring out what disrupting church looks like for them. Right, so this is us talking about our experience in this particular context, yeah. but we believe that it's transferable for, for everybody. And at the very least, the questions are necessary for everybody. Right. In all of the transitions we've made since you arrived five years ago, uh, I think it has told us that this is a necessary time to be asking all these questions and figuring that out, yeah. taking bold steps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Communion Church. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Disrupt Church podcast, hosted by Reverend Peggy Clark and Jill Novensky and produced by me, Starling Carter, for the Community Church of New York. To find out more about Community Church, visit us online at www.ccny.org. To join the Disrupt Church conversation, you can find us on Facebook and on Substack. You can find links to both of these in our show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, or better yet, send it to a friend. See you next time.